So good evening or good morning, good afternoon, whenever you're listening. This is Splash Hits, the UK's San Francisco Giants fan podcast. I'm here with uh, Charlie Baldwin, Ash Day and Ben Salvi. And we're going to uh, review the series that has just happened against Miami. But to get to that series, last time we spoke, we actually swept the Rockies. Took two out of three from the Reds, who were hot at that time. And uh, went into Miami pretty confident, I'd say. So... Uh, game one started off well, uh, took the lead 1-0 and gave it up swiftly afterwards. <laughs> and then it went to the bullpen. So uh, I'll go over to Charlie and say, uh, what was your first impressions of game one and what stood out to you? Um, unfortunately, Dave, it was a case of facing another guy we'd never seen before who doesn't particularly throw that hard, who also happens to be left-handed, which seems to be a recurring theme if you think about what happened against Chris, Chris Flexen of the Mariners as well. It's really weird. Like You put us up against a power pitcher, someone who throws 95-plus miles per hour, and all right, we'll struggle the first time through because we're just trying to get a feel for what they're doing, what they have. And second time through, right, we'll absolutely uh, rock them like we did to Alcantara in the uh, game two but one question i want to put to you guys which was raised by good friend of the show brooks nudson is whether johnny cueto should have been held up uh to face the marlins in game one rather than facing the reds in the last game as there's two two parts this one he'd probably still be healthy by now in my estimation and two if you if you think of cueto Di Scafani and Sanchez compared to Di Scafani, Sanchez and Wood. I'd say that's a stronger three, especially with fa- having to face the Marlins ace and number two pitchers as well. So uh, what do you guys think? Was Kapler right to pitch him when he did or should he have held him up? I'll go to Ash, then Ben, then back to Dave. Yeah, I, I didn't have any problem with the way Kapler kind of scheduled the starters. I I don't think any of us foresaw Cueto getting hurt. And so, therefore, impacting the Miami series. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't have any issues with how it played out. And Di Sclafani did pitch great in game one against Miami as well. It's, it's a shame we dropped it with the bullpen really late in that game. But, yeah, no, I've got no issues with Kepler here. Me too. I agree. Um, I think if you're, you're looking to change guys in the rotation, depending on who we've played, fight you know up against either their pitchers or just the team in general looking at their batters I think you're overcomplicating it maybe slightly there I don't think we needed it I think you know we was quite unlucky that Miami had two of their three starting top starting pitchers whereas we were off three four five guys that's just how it's going to go there's going to be opportunities in the year where we are one two three against somebody's three four five that's part of it that's just life I think it's just just one of those things and you know Away to the Marlins, we tend to just always get a bit of bad luck. Ever since that ballpark's opened, I just don't remember us ever going there and sweeping them or even winning two or three. We always seem to lose two or three, three or four, or get swept. It's just, it's not a good place for us. But yeah, that's just my thoughts. Yeah, I'm a similar thinking to the similar thing. I'm not, the lineup, the matchup was fine. Just Disco Flower, Disco Flower, easy for you to say. Disco, I'll just call him Disco, that's easier. Um, he pitched really well. Six innings pitched, only one earned run. So it, that was fine. Um, with Quato's injury, you just don't know if it was, if he was overworked or it was just on that on the throw or a couple throws. You just don't know. It's, just, it's speculating, really. But, yeah, I don't see it as being a Kapler problem, really. But, uh, 
Yeah, so, but as you say, Disco did uh, pitch very well. So getting back to game one, uh, he gave up the home run to Jazz Chisholm, who's, I uh, don't know about you guys, but <laughs> certainly exciting to watch. But did um, did seem to a lot of errors over the course of the series. So that was interesting. He seems to be so full speed ahead that he's sometimes making rash decisions or not making the right move. But he is an exciting player to see. So they tied it up. And as you say, we went to the bullpen. And uh, that's when it uh, got a bit funny. Uh, Ash, do you want to talk to the bullpen in that game? I think it, it's it's the typical thing with bullpens. Because it's like you can have someone who's absolutely cruising. And then they have one outing and you're just like, oh, why did we see him in that spot? Why why was he brought in in that inning? And it's the same thing with that game one. Like, Wandy Peralta had been basically flawless, like, in every appearance this season. He just so happens to get stung in this game against the Marlins at the worst possible time when we don't have much time for a comeback. So, yeah, he gets left holding the bag on this one. But I don't know, like... the. <sighs> I think every single baseball fan will always find some fault with their bullpen. They, they're, they're like the perfect scapegoats because they are the ones who usually get left looking silly if they make any little mistake. And sadly, that was the case on this one. Yeah, you, you're certainly right there. Bullpen and our bullpen has been good. They, yeah. Like you say, we're nitpicking because, you know, we're trying to see what went wrong. Is there anything different? But. It's just about how that pitch is doing that day at the end of the day. So or if they got the feel for their stuff or if they haven't and yeah. this time he didn't. So the the score the four one losing four one, I don't feel that that score was a good reflection of the, the whole game as it was. And it could have gone either way. Uh, how did you feel about game one, Ben? Well I slept through most of it, but I watched the condensed highlights. Um yeah, it's just I, for me, it wasn't really the bullpen that was the problem. From what I saw, you know, one run we scored there. I know we won yesterday in game three. Scored one, also one run. I think it's more. Yeah, you, know, you can look at each game by game and break them down, and you should have done this and should have done that. It's like to look at it as a series because baseball is 162 games. Everything if you look at it as a series, you'll get the bigger picture. And all right, we scored a lot of runs in game two and didn't didn't win, but. It's been that. It's just not getting on base enough, not getting enough hits. You know, I think back from the, the series, I think it was maybe, I can't remember what game it was, that Yastrzemski hit a double and a triple. It might have been game two, can't quite remember. And he, he hit a couple of good shots in yesterday's game three. But if he's the only one doing it and you get the odd little dribbler here and a single there, you're not, you're not good. You know, you've got to score runs. We, we're nine and six at this point, which is good. But if you look at the offense, if, you know, add an extra hit every two innings, you know, we could be easily another two wins. And I think that that's where we're being underperforming, which is a surprise because at the start of the year, I don't know about you guys, I all thought that the offence was going to be the strength of the team. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, everyone had us as big hitters and poor pitchers and we've turned out to be <laughs> one of the best pitchers, uh, best pitching teams uh, around because I think we're top three in uh, ERA. Uh, for pitching, I mean, that's going well, but we're also like 29th in uh, batting average over the 30 teams. So that that gives you the real picture there and what the problem is at the moment. Yeah, there's, um, de- we there's seem def- to have 
small small sparks here and there that getting us through games like you say it's it's kind of astounding that we are where we are at the moment and the pitching really has pulled us through um so you know if we go from there look at game two and we went down three three nil uh sanchez pitching and then the seventh we got five runs in the seventh and they're all in that seventh inning so did you want to talk about that charlie You hear me, Charlie? Yeah, it's a very frustrating one to lose that one, Dave, because with the team we've got, um, if you're on the more optimistic side like we are, uh, I think most of us are all predicting like 84-plus wins or so from memory. Um, This is the kind of game that we really do need to win when the offence does show up, does give us six runs. That's when the pitching really needs to to be nailed down and... um, take home the win but unfortunately they didn't but again um they got they got three runs or four runs i can't remember how many it was out of one of the most underrated aces in the league in sandy alcantara i don't know about you guys but that 97 mile per hour sinker was just absolutely blow away great pitch and he's a great all-round pitch and and we managed to get to him even though for the first six innings he, he was pitching the shutout but again um the guy's like they see, this seems to be a recurring theme of it's kind of like a boxing match where they feel them out for a little while and then that's it. They dig in and they do produce something. And this time they did do enough against the starting pitcher and it was the other, it was the bullpen that unfortunately couldn't bring it home. So there were positives there, despite it being a, a, a probably the most hurt. Yeah, that loss probably hurt a lot more than the game one loss did, but at least there were still positives on that side to take away. Yeah, we had uh, McGee and his uh, first blown save, but he's you know he has six saves over <laughs> so far this season. No, no, uh, no one's going to be perfect, and uh, I'm not sure you, you know you're not going to be putting anyone else in at that point. I did see on some forum that someone has said, "Oh, they was pitching well." I think it was Rogers in the eighth, and they should have left him in for the ninth. He's like, "No, he's the closer. You give it to the closer." So. What did you think of that game, Ash, at the end of game two? It's funny you say that, actually, about like McGee having that defined role as the closer, because I, of all the teams I expected this year to like not feature such a clear and defined closer, I would have thought the Giants would be amongst those. The, the way like Farhan and the front office have everything set up with the roster, and the way that Kapler can be a traditionalist with some things, but is quite modern in a lot of his approaches including like i would not expect him to be like yeah this guy's my closer i would think of kapler as being the kind of guy who's just going to go with the hottest hand or whoever is uniquely suited to whatever matchup it is at the time but it is kind of i mean i'm a bit of a traditionalist so i quite like seeing him go to mcgee because mcgee is the, the guy at the moment sadly this is the one where he he got really stung and he didn't look good at all I know he's been relying heavily on his fastball this season, and I think the Marlins could just see it come in. They were they were ready, they were aggressive, um, and it didn't pay off for us. But I think this, yeah, this this was a game that was winnable. Game two, it, it's it's a shame they they couldn't pull it out, and they, they, we took the lead in the tenth inning as well, and we just still couldn't 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 salvage it. 
Uh, and yeah, as, as Ben was saying, we all expected the offense to be the team carrying us this year with, with how 2020 worked out. And this is the game we finally got to see the offense turn up and they still couldn't be victorious. Um, so yeah, a, a shame. But um, yeah, I don't have much more to say on game two. I'm trying to erase it from my memory. <laughs> how about you, Ben? Game two, how it finished? Well, I, I quite enjoyed watching uh, McGee this year. He just chucks it right at them and it's just, you know what I'm going to throw. I know I'm going to throw it. You're not going to hit it, but occasionally they are. <laughs> and and he's, he's been in my fantasy team because he's been getting me lots of saves and I've been loving that. And obviously with him having the uh, bad reaction to the COVID, uh, they've told us he went on the aisle and I was thinking, oh God, no, where am I going to get those saves from them? Uh, so I put in Tyler Rogers and he picked one up in game three, um, keeping it giants. So that was good. But the rest of the game, yeah, like I said, it's just, it is frustrating when, you know, the pitching has been so good. Then one day we score runs, it let us down a little bit. But I think that the starting pitching is, it's really been impressive so far throughout the whole, the whole series in Miami also still. And ever since the opening day, you know, like it just, re- the names aren't Lincecum, Kane, Bumgardner, Vogelson and Zito or something like that, but it, they're pitching like them. And it, it feels very much like 2012 where you just knew your starter's going to give you minimum five and you're not going to be eight nil down or something, uh, three, three innings in. And, and that's what it's been most of the, most of the way so far. So I was, I wasn't too disheartened. More, more just like I said, that Miami thing. I don't know what it is about them. I don't like them because we just keep losing to them there. Yeah, and um, so game three, talking about pitching, and the game three was all about pitching. Um, our one run even came uh, after an error to get uh, on base there. So what about our pitching uh, in game three, Charlie? What did you think of that? Um, Much needed, Dave. Big contrast to game, game two, obviously, and... Um, I have to say, um, hats off to Alex Wood. We didn't know what we were going to get. Um, he was unfortunate to be taken out when he was, but I'm not sure whether he would have been on the pitch count just because he'd been out for so long or whether it was a combination of that plus the game situation of needing to score run at the time. That meant Gabe thought, OK, he's done well enough here. Um, yeah, we'll take that. But, um, yeah, very impressed with Alex Wood. His back looked fine. His pitches were moving as you'd expect them to. He wasn't holding anything back. So um, all good on that front. And then a special mention to Mr. Camilo Duval as well, who came in firing 98-mile-per-hour cutters with a very impressive slider, which, to be honest, that impressed me more than the fastball did because that's something he's been working on for a while as his secondary pitch, and he doesn't always have it, but he had both of them working really well. And fingers crossed he can ultimately become our closer in the longer-term future. Yeah, he he did look excellent. Um... What did you think, Ben, of uh, Duval's debut for the Giants? Yeah, very impressive. I, I like, I like. I you know, said about the, the secondary pitch, but that fastball is—it's that alone could keep him up for a while. I think he will be up and down a bit this year. Uh, but like you said, if he's someone that they can mould into a closer in two or three years' time, uh, and looking forward, you know, if that would save you a lot of money on the free agency if you can have a ready-made closer. Someone like him, he, and he seems like a good chap. You know, I don't know if you saw his interview 
uh, it was, I think it was in Spanish, but it was translated and he dropped the F-bomb as his one English word um, in the translator sort of showing, you don't need me to translate that one. Uh, so he seems like a good guy, a bit of, a bit of character. Well, I think it's always, there's a lot of characters in the game now, you know, even though people say there aren't, there, there are. And it's nice to have a couple of them on the Giants, um, but also just with the, the starting pitch of Wood. I had seen him before, you know, it's not like I hadn't seen him you know, pitch for the Dodgers or, or wherever. But I just hadn't remembered him much of it, you know. I thought I knew who he was. But that that funky arm action, I, I thought I forgot. It was quite impressive. And I like him because he works fast. One of the things that really frustrates me about pitchers when they're so slow. I remember I, it was 2012. I was in New York. Uh, second game of the year, freezing cold. Yankees, Red Sox. I went to a game and it was Tanaka on the mound and he was so slow. Just slowed the game down. It made it really boring. But Wood gets it in and out quick. And when he's pitching like he is, it just seems to work. He gets in a rhythm. He really looked like he was in a real rhythm yesterday. I was, I was really impressed. Yeah, uh, like you say, um, when they're not on your team, you don't tend to take too much notice, other than not liking them very much. But uh, yeah, his uh, his his deception in his pitches and stuff, and uh, yeah, really impressed and very good. Uh, what did you think, Ash, of the pitching and uh, about Rogers getting the save? Yeah, I only have uh, I only have praise for the entire pitching crew yesterday. Um, Rogers coming in in the ninth looked super composed. Um, he, he does a thing when he's on the mound where he kind of looks up and he takes deep breaths and he, he does a big exhale and he's like, <sighs> and you think like, is he nervous? He kind of he kind of looks nervous and then he sets himself and you and he kind of just gets it out of his system and he throws and he's fine and he just resets, goes through it again and it, it works. Uh, he, and it's so funny. I was watching the game um, and this was a fast paced game as well with all of this great pitching. I was quite unhappy that I could get it in before bedtime on a Sunday night. This was a rare treat. But my wife was next to me watching and she saw Rogers throw that funny sidearm the way he does. And my wife was like, what on earth is that? Like, that's the weirdest pitch I've ever seen. I was like, yeah, that's Rogers. But it works. Watch watch it work. And he did. So, um, yeah, Rogers made me look good. But, yeah, I was, I was impressed with the whole bullpen. Uh, Caleb Barragar as well looked lights out in his uh, eighth inning. Um, so, yeah all good i want to see more of it and you guys have said glowing words about doval and his debut um hopefully we have him for many many years he he looks he looks like we've caught lightning in the bottle there yeah and i think uh that goes is a good game to show how we couldn't possibly have expected to have two games like that in a series with only the one run like ben said in the first game so uh that's it's not easy to win a one nil game one one shot so that was a uh, really promising. Uh, I did figure out. I think why why I'm more comfortable with Rogers now, but it still makes me very nervous. And I think now I've realised it's because he's a contact pitcher. You know, the bats are always going to get on the ball, and that does make your heart go. But yeah, really good. I think absolutely fantastic. Uh, what do you think of Rogers now, as you got used to him, Charlie? <laughs> Um, Numbers-wise, Dave, I think it shocks everybody when you go back to last season and he didn't actually give up a run in the in his last eight outings. And I think that gets to people up because when you think of Tyler Rogers, you think just because of the way he pitches, you think there's always men on base. He's always coming in to situations where he needs a ground balls. And you think him just with the way he throws, uh, he pitches and the lack of uh, velocity that 
anything that gets hit hard is basically going over the wall. So I think like in our minds, we immediately think, okay, he's been hit up a few times, but he actually hadn't. He'd had a solid end to last season. I think that's why Kapler uh, likes him so much and trusts him so much in the in the eighth inning because I think we've all had it in our own private chats where we've been chatting to other people and it's like, oh, it's the eighth inning. Here comes Tyler Rogers again. So, but um, yeah, he's earned it, Dave. He's done. He's done well this season. Um, I think other than the opening day play up. Uh, blow up, and I think there was one other home run he gave up since then. There's not really much you can you can really blame him for. In the last few times out, he's really um, nailed down that uh, eighth inning set up spot behind McGee, and he rightfully did earn the chance to be the closer with McGee going down with his uh, late uh, issues with the second COVID vaccine. Yeah, yeah, definitely. When a ball hits that bat, it does make you. Uh scared so <laughs> that's why rogers you watch through i watch through your hands but um so yeah miami series was interested was fun um one could have been two easily could have been two could have been close to three so we can't come away with that too disappointed and like uh, ben says we just can't we just can't get it done in miami so um, i think can we just give a honorable mention as the uh the founder of the Austin Slater fan club for that catch. <laughs> and I'll just call it that catch. That Superman catch. <laughs> you all know what I mean. Yeah. Potentially a game saving uh, catch there. <laughs> and there was also the pinch at home running game too, as well. I thought was uh, ra- rather, rather good. He started a bit slower than I would have liked given saying as I gave him the big, big I am last yeah. time. Uh, but I like what he does, you know, he's, he does everything well. You know, I think if you was a, a 10 out, like a zero out of 10 on a scale, he's a seven on everything. You know, he's, he's got the athleticism. He hits the ball up the middle. He hits it to left field. He hits it to right field. He hits, finds gaps. He's fast. He's, uh, you know, that's why I backed him this year. Yeah, and he's not the only one. I think other than Longoria and Solano, Everyone's still got, <laughs> still got to catch up and uh, produce and uh, you know help us win games. You know we can't keep relying on the same guys all the time, which is a, a good segue into looking at uh, the next series. <laughs> As tonight we're going into Philadelphia to face the Phillies, Kapler's old stomping ground, and um, I think he might be happy that there's not going to be a full stadium there. <laughs> And uh, he can concentrate on the game. So, uh, what are we let's take some predictions for the series and what we uh, how we think it's going to match up. Let's start with uh, Charlie. Uh, just before we move on, Dave, um, first I want to say well done on yesterday for in-play runs. For our listeners and people watching who don't know what in-play runs, could you just quickly talk about what it is and basically how you felt going into it, how you felt during it, and how you felt after it, please? <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was really fun. Uh, so, if we're talking to Americans, they wouldn't know what Soccer Saturday was, I'm guessing. But basically, it's uh, fans reporting on different games, and uh, a fantastic host, Dave from the UK Phillies, throws it around to when things are happening, and you say you like say, "Oh, it's got runner on second. He's just got a hit," or you shout "home run." So you find out what's going on all over MLB 
by the fans for the fans and yeah it's a lot of fun and yeah i was anxious before it <laughs> but i enjoyed it was nervous at the end and then got to get the win so yeah it was all good uh yeah thanks <laughs> thanks for the shout out yeah so uh yeah check out in play runs next time it's on probably uh two or three weeks time i think it's very rare that we get a giants game just because of the uh time difference but yeah all good so i'll go throw it back to charlie now <laughs> <laughs> very 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 good dave and, and the perfect segue uh mentioned phillies dave there as well because um he actually interestingly yesterday when i was in the chat after you'd left dave um i did say semi-jokingly the gabe kapler 2021 revenge tour is coming for him in the phillies and he did actually say he was quite concerned going into it but um, a few things of interest here. Obviously, there's the history with Zach Wheeler of the infamous or famous Carlos Beltran trade, uh, depending on where you were on that back in 2011. And there's also Cap going back there and all the intrigue around that because at the time his players didn't actually want him to go. It was actually an ownership decision. His GM wanted him to stay as well. So and there's all that to the side of it as well. But looking at the actual pitches going and getting back to the game side of it, uh, the Giants are facing three righties, which isn't great for us as we've struggled against right-handers so far this season. Uh, so fingers crossed we can get it going. But for me, the park is a far better fit for our offense because, as we are all saying earlier, we're not kind of a contact offense at the moment. We're much more power-orientated and... We all know that Citizens Bank is a bandbox park. It is somewhere you want to go where if you want to go and hit a few home runs and get things going. So I think it's going to be a close series. Also, on our side of things, we do have Kevin Gaussman, Logan Webb, and as you said, Dave, on Wednesday, Disco going as well. And just for the UK fans out there, that is an early game as well, five past six. So that's one hopefully a lot of us will be able to tune into. Um, Predictions-wise, in terms of how it will go, I'm going to say two and one, Dave. I think uh, because we're facing Eflin and Wheeler, What uh, ironically, earlier I did say in the chat group, it will probably be Chase Anderson who beats us just because it's that thing and we don't know him that well. He doesn't throw that hard and we'll probably hit the other two better. But, um, but yeah, I'm confident of two and one. I'm feeling a lot better than I was going into Miami series just because I think we fit the park a lot better. And their offense and the Phillies offense as well can be hot and cold. So it's not a case of um, they're going to hit, well, all three games. They have frustrated them at times. And we know with Bryce Harper, uh, he can be the man or he can go 0-12 as an example. So, so yeah, it's going to be a tough series. It's going to be another test of where the Giants are, but I'm feeling confident overall. Yeah. How do you feel, Ben? Are you confident going into Philadelphia? Yeah, I am. Um, you mentioned there, Charlie, that about Zach Wheeler, and that's the one I feel that's going to be the toughest. He seems to be putting it together this year. I actually watched a bit of one of his previous starts, and, and he seems to have his stuff. You know, there were the three or four inning stretch where I think he maybe allowed one base runner in that game, which I was watching. He looked on fire. Uh, a really good pitch of one. Yeah, we should have traded away all those years ago uh, for half a season of Carlos Beltran and ended up getting injured, if I remember correctly. Um, that was a, a complete waste. But yeah, no, I think two, if we can take two or three, uh, you mentioned uh, it, 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 was it three righties you said we're coming up against? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that means, you know, 
pack it with left-handed hitters, which doesn't suit us. I think it's quite interesting if you look at the lineups that Kepler's put out this year. Um, someone like Brandon Belt, who's been an everyday player for us since what 2012, something like that. He, he's really been a bit part player, um, and it's sort of gone under the radar how he's, you know, he's really made him a platoon bat and not a, a middle of the order bat. So, so some, you know, he should probably get three starts here. Maybe for the first time this year, I don't think he started three games in a row. Maybe he has once, but I don't remember him starting three games in a row. So someone like that, you're looking for someone on the offence to get them going. And Crawford's done well in parts from the left side. Uh, I think Belt, someone like him, needs a big series to to propel this offence. Because if if he doesn't do it or somebody else doesn't do it, then yeah, we could could lose to two or three. Small margins, I think, here. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what do you feel, Ash, going in? Is this uh, Kapler's revenge? Did he uh, stick it to Philadelphia? <laughs> I hope so. It'll be sweet revenge if it is. Um, yeah, I kind of piggybacking what you guys have said about uh, us facing a mostly right-handed Phillies rotation in this series. I'm kind of happy we're not facing Nola. Like, we, we miss Nola, which is the beast in that rotation, but yeah, I think Kapler will stack the lineup with lefties and it gives them all an opportunity to finally get going. Um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, all of our lefties are, are prominent lefties. They're all got batting hundred batting averages under 200 at the moment. Um, so this is a fine opportunity for, for guys like Yaz, Crawford, Belt, um, Dickerson to finally start getting some hits and getting their, getting their season going, really. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, I think we can be optimistic. If we hadn't won yesterday and if we'd been swept by the Marlins, we might be entering this series a bit differently. But coming off a win, um, the Phillies, you know, they're not the, the giant team they, they want to be. They're still not the whole package. Neither are we. So it should be quite even, but I'm optimistic. I'm looking forward to it. And we've got that Wednesday game, that UK-friendly Wednesday game. So I'm sure we'll all be tuning in. Uh, Dave, if I can just come back in again, because I've just got some numbers here um, for the Webb Wheeler matchup. And interestingly, the only person on the Phillies who has faced Logan Webb is actually Matt Joyce, who's 0 for 1. So again, you generally say facing a pitcher for the first time, the pitcher has the advantage. But unfortunately, we know from Webb's meltdowns when it does go badly, it goes really badly. And if it happens in that park, he could put us in a hole. But saying that, we've got some interesting numbers against. Um, uh, Wheeler here, Brandon Bell, he's hitting 364 and 11 at bats with a home run and two RBIs. Um, Tommy Lestella, all right, he's one for one, but he's got hit against him. Evan Langorian, six at bats, he's two for six. Buster Posey's two for five. Austin Slater's one for three. Yaz is one for three. I know it's a small sample size, but it shows that we have hit him in the past. So, uh, fingers crossed, we can get the job done again and we can get five solid innings out of Logan Webb. Yeah, it shows that they see them and uh, they can hit them. And I feel like we've said it every se- every series we've gone into that this hopefully is when our hitters break out and they finally get it going. And uh, this could be the park and the pitching rotation that finally does get going. So, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we'll be uh, happy with our Philadelphia before we return back home. And I think it's for the Marlins. So, uh, yeah, it should be good. So... This will probably come out tomorrow, so one game will be done, but we'll be ready for game two and game three. So uh, that's a Philadelphia series. Uh, Charlie's proposed a new segment for the show, and that's three up, three down. 
And uh, so a player that we all think's doing really well and a player that needs to be improved. I think there's probably a lot on both sides of that argument. <laughs> uh, we'll start with Ash this time and go back around the other. Okay, uh, well, the first person that comes off the top of my head for a player doing really well, I think, is Evan Longoria. The uh, early spring worries about his injury, I think I'm going to butcher how you say this, the plantar fasciitis, fasciitis in his foot, basically. <laughs> um, yeah, that doesn't seem to be slowing him down at all. He's been really solid every time I've seen him. Um, he's probably the, the most dangerous hitter in the lineup, you could argue. Um, and it's really nice to see... I think ever since the Giants traded for Longoria, however many years ago, it doesn't feel like we ever have seen like the best of Longoria. Like we've never seen the Rays version of Longoria. Not that we have that now, but I feel like we're on the right track. Funnily enough, as he's like quite old, he's in his mid thirties, but now we're starting to see like the Longoria we were, we were promised. And his defense at third base is still brilliant. Like every time a, a, a rocket gets shot at third, I have no fear at all that he will handle it perfectly his throw will be accurate um so yeah longoria is my uh my first choice for someone who's doing really good and i'm pretty sure we can probably all agree there yeah definitely definitely and someone you'd like to see improvement from someone i'd like to see improvement from i mean from the hat (laughs) we have a lot i mean i think I don't like to single out one person, but it's probably someone in our lineup because we've just got too many guys carrying batting averages that are just not doing it. And the worrying thing has been like if their batting averages were low, but they were walking, that's one thing. But we haven't really got guys walking. There's for a team that prioritizes like getting on base, we're striking out a lot. Um, I'm going to go for. I'm going to go for Dickerson. I, th- I think I maybe expected more of Dickerson this year than maybe my expectations for Dickerson were too high. Um, Cause last year he was mostly a platoon player, but he really like raked on that platoon. And this year we've seen him quite a lot. Right? I feel like I've seen him a lot. It seems like every game I tune in, I see Dickerson in left field, but he still hasn't quite got it going. And funnily enough, he was the guy I think I've, if I'm not mistaken, he got the RBI in the win yesterday against the Marlins. So I shouldn't be too mean on him. He got the one run that won us the game. But it just something feels not quite right there. He hasn't quite got going. So, yeah, he'd be my he'd be my pick for this. Um, I'm sorry, Dickerson. We, we do love you, and you are coming through with some key hits, but I wanted to see it a little bit more consistently. Um, from you, Ben, your player up and down? Uh, the positive start with that is Di Sclafani. Um, if you look at his career numbers, they're not great. They're really not. And the pictures I've seen, you come to San Francisco under Farhan and uh, Gabe Kepler and that, that coaching staff, and they've really turned pitchers' careers around. And it's been three starts, I know, but his ERA is literally a, a touch over one, I think. Uh, and he's just been fantastic. He's really been fantastic. If he can continue it, maybe not. But even if he can have an ERA around three, for the whole season, the way he's playing. It'd just be really amazing. It just gives us someone that we probably thought would be a punt. He might be able to turn it around. He might not. Um, you probably had more more hope in someone like Alex Wood, uh, who maybe had a down year or two, but you, you just, I don't think anyone had high hopes for him. It was just to see how it goes. And so far, it's gone amazing. 
So um, he's my positive, and it's nice to see him pitch every fifth day. Uh, and the one that, for me, I have no issue uh, criticising players, <laughs> like Ashes are maybe a bit nicer than me, um, that comes straight to mind is Maurizio de Bon. Uh, I'll just get his numbers up here because he's, he's hitting 125 with an on-base percentage of 192. He does play solid defence, can play shortstops, probably a bit second and centre field, but he wasn't that great last year. I think he's, he's a good kid. You know, you look at the interview, he seems like a really nice young man. But it, I don't, when I watch him, I feel like I'm watching a minor league player playing in Major League Baseball. And that sounds maybe harsh, but I, if this continues, I don't know how he, he sticks around all year. I just I don't see enough from him that's, that he's either going to find a way to start hitting singles at least to get on base or drawing walks. It just seems every at-bat is, OK, he's up, oh, no, he, he's out. It's, it's, he gives up cheap at-bats, I think. And uh, for me, he's the one, unfortunately, needs to up his game. Yeah, I don't think anyone could argue with that at all. <laughs> Looking at the numbers, and I think I think he had a slow start last year when he started as well. So hopefully he finds it. But if not, like you say, maybe he goes down and uh, they bring up someone else. Uh, what about you, Charlie? Who's your positives and who needs to improve? Uh, on the positive side, me and Ben were both thinking on the along the same lines because I had Di Scafani. So I've quickly thought of Johnny Cueto. I think even the most optimistic amongst us can't believe just how he seems to be back to a vintage Cueto, basically. Because like I was saying at the in the predictions, I'll hold my hands up and say I was pretty much sure he was done. But I'm very happy to have been proven wrong so far. Uh, he's pitching deep into games. I don't think any of us thought he would have pitched an almost complete game at this point in the season, especially against the Rockies who have a history of being really difficult and uh, late, late game comebacks, etc. Um, also one thing that's astounded me, 18 strikeouts against just four walks. Uh, he's, that's over a four to one strikeout rate. I don't think any of us thought he was going to have that good command uh, this late on in his career, and given what's happened over the last two years, and you can just tell the swagger's back with him as well. And he's pitching with no fear. The triple shimmies are back. He's just having fun out there. And uh, we were saying, who's the Giants' number two going to be? And I think I said it was going to be Logan Webb, and it's actually been Johnny Cueto, and it's going so well that Di cemented himself in as the number three as well. So can't really fault the starting pitching in terms of the front three there. Um, in terms of improvement, um, I went to the bullpen for this one and Matt Whistler, basically because he had such a great season last season. He allowed only three. I know it was only a short season, but still he only allowed three earned runs for the whole season. Um, in, and even though he was throwing that slider a lot, it was getting people out and completely confusing them. Um, but, but I will say the slider for me has looked better as he's gone on. Like it is actually biting now. I think before in the earlier games, it did seem a bit flatter. And now it's just an issue of <laughs> don't put it down the middle of the plate as simple as it sounds. But um, it's still early in the season. I think with the rest of the bullpen generally playing as well as they are, it's expected to have someone to struggle. It's just a shame that it's been him who's struggled that much. I think his ERA now stands at 15.35. But... Also, I think a key thing to remember is he does have one of his old pitching coaches from Minnesota with him as well, who joined the pitching staff in JP Martinez. So fingers crossed between them, they can turn it around sooner rather than later. 
And to just throw it back to you, Dave, who would you say is your one positive Giants player and who would you say needs to improve? Well, I've gone with uh, positive with Tyler Rogers, only because what we talked about earlier about um, everyone is scared when he comes into pitch, but um, he's just done so well and he's got a 0.84 ERA. He's pitched 10.2 innings. I mean, that's fantastic. So so he probably, <laughs> I don't know how much he pays to it, but you always see people talk about Rogers, but actually... It's been fantastic, and hopefully uh, he can keep that going. And I knew I'd be fourth, so I didn't want to go with... I had to pick someone a bit further further off. So uh, <laughs> for improvement, yeah, Dubon stood out for me originally as first, just looking at the numbers. Um, but we could say, or I'm just going to cop out and say, all our batters need to step up, and they all need to improve massively. <laughs> so uh, with that... Uh, Talking about uh, maybe sending people down to the minor leagues, that's a good way to get into our prospect watch with uh, Charlie. Over to you. Thanks, Dave. Um, yeah, just some updates from down on the farm, so to speak. And thanks to at SFG Prospects on Twitter for these updates. On Friday, Patrick Bailey went free for three in a scrimmage game against the A's, including a home run that clocked in at 105 miles per hour exit velocity. Um, another one of our stud hopeful future relievers, Gregory Santos, struck out two of the Oakland days yesterday in a scoreless inning. He hit 100 miles power on the radar gun and possibly one of our forgotten outfield prospects because he was injured most last season. Alex Canero homered in a minor league spring training game against the Brewers at the weekend. And my favourite outfield prospect and second favourite prospect overall, Lewis Matos, went three for four against the Brewers on Friday with three singles and a walk. And also for anybody who's wanting to keep up with the Scrimmage games against the A's at Rivercats. The Sacramento Rivercats account on Twitter is doing updates when they're at home. So in yesterday's game, they lost 9-6, but Jason Crisan did hit a massive home run, and Jerry Bart had a bases-loaded sacrifice fly. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know from reports here that Ramos has continued to stay hot after his great spring training. And also, well done to Seth Corey, who is the... Giants' second-highest-rated pitching prospect. He debuted on MLB Pipeline's prospect top 100 prospects list at number 99. Um, the others on that list, just as a reminder, include Marco Luciano at 14, Joey Bart at 20, Heliot Ramos at 73, and Hunter Bishop at 75. So um, all looking good down at the farm in over the last weekend, Dave. Yeah, I'd definitely encourage you to follow the River Cats if you're not already. I've seen some fantastic Ramos clips, some diving catches and some good base hits and home runs. So, uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, well, I think we're all hoping to see him uh, as soon as possible now. <laughs> maybe, you know, he can be that spark uh, to uh, ignite the team, maybe. Uh, would uh, any of you be happy with that? <laughs> and who would go? I think... Uh... It looks like Dubon would probably be the the prime candidate at the moment. It's funny as as Ben is the the chairman of and creator of the Austin Slater fan club. It's Slater's performances that's basically keeping Dubon as a pinch hitter exclusively at the moment. Slater's playing great defense in center field, 
Dubon does play a good glove in centre field, but he's limited to pinch hit duties at the moment. And I wonder if, as a result, is he not getting the at-bats to get his rhythm like he did last year? But yeah, I think he's looking like the candidate to go down at the moment. And could we see someone like Elliot Ramos come up? I don't know. We will have to wait and see. It'd be cool to see him. I would love to see him. He's tearing it up at Sacramento. Yeah, if we could see Ramos for 60, 70, 80 games this year, that would be fantastic, wouldn't it? Uh, him, Slater and Yastrzemski in the outfield. That seems quite strong, you know, especially for a team that many of the top pundits over in America said would win under 500, uh, you know, win less than 81 games. I think that's a strong outfielder which would really help us. Yastrzemski's had, had a couple of good doubles in the last series. If he gets hot... If Ramos comes up and and hits as he has been in, is it double A? I think he's hitting at the moment or the alternate site. Uh, yeah, it's it's exciting, you know, to have five um, prospects in the top one hundred as Charlie's just come from. That's really exciting. We've not had that. I don't remember five guys in the top one hundred. You know, I've been watching the Giants in twenty ten. Maybe maybe at the start we had a few guys in the top one hundred, but I definitely don't remember being five of them. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's looking good for the future of the Giants. What do you think, Charlie? Will we see him sooner or later? Um, I've always thought of after the All Star break, Dave, because I think is we also need to remember that although he did great in spring training, the highest level he's been at is actually Double A. Uh, Farhan was saying he was was going to be conservative with where he starts the prospects this season, but I think given how hot Ramos has been both in spring training, both at the alternate site. I think um, he's going to end up ultimately starting in Sacramento and they'll want him to get um, at least 100, 150 at-bats maybe, uh, maybe a few more. And then if he's hot come the All-Star break, um, bring him in after, give the Giants fans something to look forward to post-All-Star break. I think it would be um, a, a, a good time for him. And obviously it's a good time to send people down. Or if there's people on the injured list as well, it makes it a bit easier uh, roster-wise as well. Oh, just before we go, Ash, do you want to quickly um, tell tell the guys listening about what you've got on Batflips and Nerds at the moment? And I'll follow up with what I've got coming up. Yeah, I uh, have just written about my, oh, I kind of profess my love for a certain Brandon Crawford recently. Um, he, he lit up the Rocky series uh, not so long ago, and I wrote a little love piece for him. Um, it, it's all from the heart. So, yeah, Mr. Crawford got some attention. Um, you can read that latest piece at Batflips and Nerds. Um, and, yeah, me and Charlie working on pieces over there for the Giants. Yeah, it's kind of good that we did get the prospect spotlight in because my one is actually about five Giants prospects that could make an impact this season. And Mr. Duval's made me look a bit bit psychic there because he was going to be on the list. And it pretty much means he's gone from like number four to number one, but that's absolutely fine. And there may be one or two you haven't heard of on there, but if you're someone who's not too much into stats, don't worry about it because it's basically going to be like an introduction of who this guy was when he was drafted and what we couldn't expect from him both in the short and long term. So um, I expect that to be out in the next few days. Yeah, it's looking good. And uh at the moment, we are second in the division, so uh, we'll take that all year long, if we can, please. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll, uh, 
We'll uh, call that a night tonight. We're actually going to try and keep it under an hour for a change. We do uh, tend to spin off. I didn't mean to go off then on Ramos. That was there. <laughs> but uh, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for Charlie, Ash and Ben for coming on as usual. And uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks' time. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. Cheers.